Welcome to Gutsy Matters Podcast, brought to you by storednaturally.com. I'm Wendy Allen. And I'm Helen Reynolds. Gutsy Matters Podcast is for independent thinkers who aren't afraid to stand out from the crowd. Our conversations are with people who, like us, are willing to create something they believe in, something that helps us all to live more sustainably, more consciously, and with greater connection. We're delighted you're joining us to discover, uncover, and create opportunities and perspectives about health, wealth, and sustainable living. In this episode, we're delighted to talk with Erin Rhodes, the curious lady behind the Rogue Ginger website, encouraging us all to waste less, use less plastic, and live more sustainably. Erin has also written two books, has been featured on TV, in magazines, on the radio, and is a sought-after speaker, which makes us very lucky to have some of her time with us on the Gutsy Matters podcast. Hi, Erin. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you. I love the quote from your book, Waste Not, when, when you said, I believe that if you cared about the environment, you had to be a hippie. You reveled in the comfortable and convenient life. And anything you needed was easy to obtain, wrapped in oodles of packaging that you threw out without a second thought, thinking that if you tossed something into the recycling bin incorrectly, that there was some kind of system in place that would locate the wrong items and remove them. And all the stuff sent to landfill would eventually break down. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think that we're, we're not born to save the planet necessarily or with saving the planet in mind, but there's usually some aha moment that brings us to that realisation. So what happened that made you start your less waste, less plastic and sustainable living way of life? Yes. What, what made me a hippie? <laughs> the question. <laughs> no, because you're not a hippie. <laughs> I know that. No. <laughs> no. Um, so my epiphany, my aha moment came one day in the middle of June. I was stuck at home in bed with a pretty awful cold and my sister gave me a call just to see how I was. Um, she must have heard from mum that I was, I was pretty crook. And I just asked her, I said, look, I'm, I'm stuck at home. I've got nothing to do. I'm really bored. I've watched all my movies I've got on my laptop. Do you have anything inspiring that I could watch? And the night before, she had gone to her local library to watch the screening of this wonderful documentary called The Clean Bin Project. And she was telling me about it. You know, it's this documentary. It follows this couple from Canada who tried to buy nothing for one year and tried to create no rubbish for one year. And I was just like, my brain's going like, oh, this sounds really boring. Why is she telling me about this? Because I wasn't, I wasn't that way inclined. I, I never watched an eco documentary. The only one that I had heard about that was really popular at the time was An Inconvenient Truth, the Al Gore one. And that, from what you could see from that documentary, it looked really doom and gloom. And kind of paint this picture like whatever you do, you, it's it's not going to be enough kind of thing. Anyway, my sister said, "Oh, it's really uplifting. It's really funny. I think you like it." Anyway, she's like, "Fine, don't listen to my suggestion." She and she hung up on me. So I went to go because my sister's cool. She's the, she's the cool sister. I went to go watch the trailer and I was like, "Oh, actually, this is quite funny. Um, it's not doom and gloom." Um, and so I watched it. 
I, I bought it off their website, so you, you can buy it directly from their website. And I think some libraries have actually got it on their digital downloads too, for anyone listening who wants to go watch it. And it just opened my eyes to not only just how much we consume um, and throw away, but also just how our everyday choices can create a huge amount of change. Like they can either have an impact for good or an impact for bad. And it was after that documentary had finished, um, my boyfriend had come over and brought me some takeaway food and it was in all this plastic and it was after that I was like I couldn't stop seeing plastic and rubbish everywhere you know it was in my fridge it was in the cupboards for that following week I just everywhere I looked I'd like go to buy something take away I feel a lot of guilt I was like this is very strange why why am I feeling this uh, and I just started to learn more about plastic during that week uh, and it was while I was looking for information and ways to reduce that plastic, I stumbled across this tiny little website for this tiny little like eco challenge called Plastic Free July. So when I started it, I think about 400 people had signed up across Australia. It was a very tiny little challenge. It was based in Perth, WA. Um, but as of last year, they had over 3 million people take the challenge worldwide. So it's really grown. And it was just that challenge of giving up those single-use plastics, so, you know, plastic bags, plastic straws, plastic takeaway coffee cups, you know, plastic cutlery, plastic takeaway in general. It was just learning to say no to those and getting into the habit of using the alternatives. And those alternatives have existed for thousands of years, unlike plastic, which has really existed the way we use it since the 1960s. And it was just after doing that month-long challenge, it was so hard for me to go back to a plastic August. So I just kept going with the challenge because it just, even though I set out to only like reduce this plastic for a month, it brought me all these other benefits to my life, which I was not anticipating at all. And my sister even says, if I had not told you about that documentary, I said, I, I would be still buying all the fast fashion, all the fast food. I wouldn't have cared. So it was meant to happen. It was meant to happen that I watched this documentary, I think. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? How one, just one thing can make a whole change to your life and, and go from there. So I guess your sister's taking all the credit now for all that you do. <laughs> oh, yeah, she does. <laughs> she does. So when we look at plastic, and I know in that documentary, it was all about the parts of the ocean where there's so much plastic all being pulled into one spot and, and there's a number of these spots around the world because of the tidal action and what have you. In regards to plastic and our food, how, in your opinion, do you think that plastic ends up in our food? Because there's so many people who don't understand the effect that plastic has and, and what it can do to our food and how it how it can get into our food. So can you give us some insights into what you've found and how that that works? Yeah, so plastic is, first off, plastic is a wonderful material. I'm, I'm not anti-plastic at all. Um, I'm anti its misuse. You know, at the moment, um, you know, plastic is doing a lot to save people's lives and it's some wonderful things. You know, it's giving us the, you know, hearing aids. Um, it, it's helped made medicine more affordable. It's, you know, it, it's done a lot in our lives, but it's the way that we we use it. And, you know, for instance, when I was learning about plastic, I was of the assumption anything that went to landfill broke down, everything broke down. I didn't realise that, you know, plastic could last 
for 500 years, 1,000 years. They really don't know how long plastic will last for. And when it gets out into our environment, you know, if, if say a piece of plastic, okay, let's wind it back actually. So say you've got bin day and the garbage bins collecting your truck, all the recycling as well. And just by off chance, something might have slipped out of there and landed in the gutter or another thing, you know, someone's opened their car door and a bit of plastic's come out that way. And then from there, the, the gutter, it goes down into our drains, into our rivers, and then gets out into our beaches, into our bays. And then if it doesn't sink to the bottom, which a lot of plastic does do, it can sink to the bottom. If it doesn't sink, then it's, you know, it's floating on, on the top. It's getting hit by sunlight. It's got the waves. So it starts to deteriorate. It starts to break up. Now, people might think that it will just, you know, if it breaks up and you can't see it, but it still exists there. So it gets turned into smaller frag, like fragments. So it could be like a five-cent coin or it could become even a smaller fragment and become something called a microplastic. And it's those kind of plastics that are, you know, getting into our food also by way of the fish. So fish obviously don't know that there's plastic in the water. They haven't received that memo to not eat it. So they go and they eat this the plastic accidentally and then another fish eats that fish and another fish eats that fish and it works its way up through the food chain and another thing about plastic that we need to remember and one that really just made me very scared about eating some fish as well was that it acts as a magnet when it's in our environment for every other man-made chemical we have made so any man-made chemicals that are out in the ocean so things like DDTs or dioxins they attract them they just like get attracted to these bits of plastic so when the fish eats the plastic they're eating the plastic later with all these other chemicals and there's another type of plastic that gets into the ocean that a lot of people aren't that familiar with and it's another type of um, microplastic called a microfiber so when we wash our clothes whether it's a cotton wool hemp or something made of polyester or nylon so there's polyester nylon they're they're plastic-based fibers so when we wash anything, little our little fibres come off through the agitation of the clothes. It's very normal. So when the cotton ones, the wool, the hemp, linen, when that gets out into the waterways, that breaks down because it's natural. But when the plastic ones get into the ocean, they do not. And they are microscopic. You cannot see them. And that's also what the fish are eating. That's what we're finding getting into our food a lot, like getting into our water, getting into our salt. They found it in beer. They found it in honey. It's just really just accumulating. It's that same microfibers as well that attract those man-made chemicals as well. And I I can't understand how we'll ever be able to collect those microfibers out of the ocean. So it just it gets out into our environment through many different ways. It gets a bit depressing because you're like plastic is everywhere. But I think once you learn to slow down and change your habits and think right, well I won't buy any more synthetics or I'll make sure that I'll reduce my plastic so I'm not putting as much into the bin. Um, if I see litter out, I'll pick it up and dispose of it correctly. A lot of the litter that does end up as well, like on our beaches or in our parks or in the rivers, etc., it's sometimes just there because the bins that we have at these parks and beaches are just overflowing sometimes. And in somewhere like Melbourne, where I live, it gets really windy. So it doesn't take much for one windy day to just knock some rubbish off and to send that flying into rivers, into the into the ocean, et cetera. 
talking about the plastic in the water, obviously, but you're talking about plastic in honey or if people buy fruit and veggies that are in a plastic bag, for instance, how does that work and how does the plastic get into our food in that way? So plastic has, there have been some studies showing that plastic can leach into our food, but they are finding that it's more to do when you have something hot within a plastic container. So for instance, if you've got plastic, a plastic bag with food in it, there should be little worry of it transmitting, unless if it's, you know, sitting in the car on a hot day or something like that. But it's more like you go to get your takeaway and it's in a plastic container. Um, also, sometimes those paper containers that we're seeing around as well to replace the plastic, some of them will have a very thin plastic lining to them as well. And it's just that hot, it's that hot or the fatty stuff will draw out, like the endocrine disruptors are saying, from the plastic and that gets into our bodies and they're saying they're seeing it, it might have an effect on certain lifestyle diseases, but this is all still preliminary research. Um, I have instead decided to err on the side of caution and don't use plastics when I buy my food, unless if I absolutely have to, but most of the time I can do other things like take my own containers, like glass or stainless steel, or I can sit down and eat my food instead of rushing to get takeaway as well. So it's really nice to sit down and enjoy my meal and take 10, 10, 20, 30 minutes out of my day to appreciate the farmer who made my food and appreciate the person who made it rather than doing this whole rush, rush, rush. Yes, and then they say with even paper coffee cups that most people think, oh, they're, they're just a paper coffee cup or a cardboard coffee cup that are actually lined with plastic. And I guess what you're just saying then, that you put a hot drink inside it. So, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. You are pretty much drinking, you know, uh, a whole – you're drinking your coffee and then whatever is being drawn out of the plastic is going into your coffee too, which is which I think is really a sad because I don't know if a, a lot of people realise that coffee is, you know, it's, it's grown and it's hand-picked by someone, so someone's there picking everything by hand and then someone's, you know, spending the time roasting it and they're making a coffee and then we put it into a disposable cup and it kind of doesn't treat or, you know, it, it just it's a poor way of looking at a product that's, you know, taken a long time to grow and get to you because most of our coffee is grown and harvested in, in other countries, not, not here in Australia. So I say if you really want to enjoy your coffee and pay respect to the whole process, just sit down and, and have it in a real cup or, you know, take a, a coffee mug out of the office kitchen or take your own reusable coffee cup and, and enjoy something other than some warm plastic. I think you can taste the difference. So I now drink black coffee and always in glass or, the you know, or a ceramic coffee cup. And then on the rare occasion where I feel like I have no choice but to accept the takeaway coffee cup, you can taste it. Yeah, so it's a deal breaker yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's also very interesting because the push to take your own cup to a takeaway to if you're getting a takeaway coffee, a, a reusable cup, is the push has been because of the waste and the landfill, which is a very valid reason, absolutely. But there's not much conversation happening about the plastic in the cup and and that infusing into the coffee and and then you're consuming that as well. So it's an interesting way that I think people need to sort of think about that as well and not just the landfill angle. Yeah, I I agree. I I think there's not enough emphasis on the health concerns. I think also maybe because there's not 
enough rigorous scientific data to back up some of these claims, which is fair. We don't want to, um, you know, be fear-mongering anyone just yet. But I do remember when I was working on the Plastic Bag Free Victoria campaign and we learnt about how the fish are starting to eat all this plastic and we were told that it was those conversations around the health of people, if people started finding out about plastic really getting into food, that that kind of alerted some people to be like, oh, maybe we should take this campaign seriously. So I do think people are really invested in their health these days. You know, they want to eat the good food, the organic food. And at the time, we really need to start looking at the plastic as well. But I think once we have more data, like I know a couple of scientists are really starting to focus on this to get enough studies to, to, to prove all this. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really great, wouldn't it? Because, you know, that's the that was the formation of our product. I just couldn't bear putting my farmers markets and clean, fresh produce in a plastic bag. And I figured if the produce was absorbing moisture out of the hemp produce bag that that I now keep it in that we make then if plastic's always leaching, what's it absorbing then? Like you're saying, it's it's logical question to ask, but we don't have the firm answer. No, we don't. But it's, there's nothing wrong with like erring on the side of caution. I, and some people will contact me like, oh, there's no claim respect this up. I said, yes, but, you know, I I don't want to continue using this if there's looks like it's not the best thing for me. I do wonder if it's going to be one day like, the asbestos and, you know, that kind of stuff or, or finding out cigarettes are really bad for us and we should have acted sooner. There's nothing wrong with erring on the side of caution Absolutely. when it comes to your health. And we have plenty of history, you know, over the course of our modern day agriculture where we haven't erred on the side of caution and it has been proven yeah. wrong. Yes, exactly, exactly. So in, in saying erring on the side of caution, what hints and tips would you give to, to listeners in terms of reducing their plastic every day and thinking about those sorts of things and erring on the side of caution because it, it probably, while it might not have yet been absolutely 100% proven, that um, it probably is doing you some harm? I would suggest starting with a plastic-free challenge it's a great way to identify and change those habits. So, and what I love about Plastic Free July, just doing a Plastic Free Challenge, is that it's the kind of plastics that we're using in front of other people. So, for instance, like plastic bags or um, takeaway or the coffee cup. People are seeing you use those out in public. So, the more we get people doing these kind of challenges, we'll be able to say like, oh, you know, taking a produce bag to the shops is normal and we'll encourage more of that behaviour. So I think that's something that we need to do is encourage more of these public kind of challenges where we see each other, you know, saying no to plastic cutlery. You know, for instance, I don't um, have any plastic cutlery. Instead, I've got a, a cutlery wrap, so which could also be like something as simple as a pencil case as well. And it, within there, I've got my own cutlery from home and a little serviette so that if we're ever in a position where the eatery perhaps have only got, you know, single-use cutlery, whether it's plastic or whatever, well, I can just pull out my cutlery wrap and I can use that instead and take them home and wash them. It's a great thing to use if I go to festivals as well, like food festivals or the farmer's market. Um, I also take a little reusable container if I'm going to be, you know, going to the farmer's market to get some snacks in or 
it is great to I just love having reusable containers because I can take them to the bakery to get a donut if I want to because obviously when you're doing zero waste there's not as much options for junk food I suppose you have to get creative in other ways like the cloth produce bags just taking a cloth produce bag you know to something like the bakery to get a loaf of bread if you do that once a week over the course of a year you're going to save 52 plastic bread bags and 52 plastic bread bag ties now I know both can be recycled but we've got all these wonderful bakeries that make beautiful bread and when you put bread into a plastic bag it sweats that's where it usually goes moldy and, you know I buy a loaf of sourdough each week from my local bakery and it never goes moldy ever it's just um and you know another thing when I buy the bread it's uncut so I just slice as I need as well it's another great way to keep it fresh without risk of it going moldy and you can take that cloth bag and you can use that again to buy your produce in. They're kind of all multi-purpose and I can take that cloth bag as well to go buy my bulk food when I go bulk food shopping. You know, things like getting a reusable water bottle instead of buying plastic water bottles each week, which is what I used to do, which is just awful. Plastic straws. Some people do need straws, which is okay for health reasons. Um, but for a majority of us who don't need a straw, just say no instead. And when I did my plastic free challenge to help me remember things, because you can go and purchase all these things. That's the easy part. That's, that's really, really easy to go and get a bag or a produce bag or a water bottle or a usable container. The hardest part is remembering to use them. To do that, I put some notes up around my house. I tried to keep all my reusables at the front door so that if I was running late, which I often am, I wouldn't feel like, oh, I've got to go back all the way to the kitchen. I won't bother. I'm going to make my bath. It says it's right there. I can just grab them and go. And another thing that I found super handy was I used the calendar app on my phone and I set up reminders that would pop up throughout the month so I could remember to say no to straws, to take my produce bags, to take my reusable cloth bags, to get my bread in a cloth bag instead of getting the plastic ones. And I know a lot of people listen to this and they're like, that sounds really cumbersome and annoying to do but it's not forever like I don't have notes up around my house anymore I don't have notifications going off all the time it's just so you can get into that new habit of remembering because most of us aren't used to taking a reusable bag or saying no to straws or saying no to plastic cutlery and it will get to a point where you'll walk to the front door and you'll automatically think all right I've got my keys I've got my wallet I've got my phone I've got my water bottle I've got a cloth bag or I've got a container with me today. It's just helping you break that, that, that habit of reaching for the plastic. I've also found too that once you've converted over to that way of life, on the day you do forget and you, and you resort back to the plastic container from the takeaway shop or whatever it is, you feel so guilty that yes. it helps you to remember <laughs> next time. I know and because you, you really stand and you're like, do I? Don't I? Do I? And you think, what am I going to do with this at the end of its uh-huh. life? And it's a big thought process, which, which is good. Mm-hmm. And you will have those moments where, you, oh gosh, well, I would forget to say no to a store. I'd forget my produce bags. But it's just like with anything, it's a learning curve. It's changing habits, unfortunately, is not easy. It does take some work, but it's worth it in the end. Absolutely. And I mean, I think 
everybody would attest to to that the changing habit i mean look at the single use plastic bags that have been banned everybody automatically went to a supermarket put their their groceries in a plastic bag and they were all banned and everyone's had to change their habit and yes you probably went to the supermarket and forgot it but you thought about it next time you found a way like you said putting up notes or putting in on your calendar or, or having them on the seat in, of your car that, that you would then go, yes, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to forget now. So, And everyone's got past that now. They're all in the habit of taking their bags. Exactly. Exactly. Everyone knows it. I, I think also here in Australia, there must have been like uh, nothing happening in the media at that time because remember the media really jumped on it and made it harder than what it seemed. But in reality, I think they really did. So I was speaking to my brother when he, he was living in the UK when they bought in their plastic bag ban and started charging. And I was like, man, Australia's really just like, like some media that's like really working and after like calling in, getting people on a talk back and onto TV and like, you know, saying this is the hardest thing. Why are we banning this? This is ridiculous. He's like, they didn't do anything here. They just, the band came in, the next day people had to bring their bags and that was that. So I, I think we've got to be aware sometimes that the media will sometimes stir things because they know, they know they can, unfortunately. Yes. So I learned the hard way. So I was doing a lot of interviews there at the time. They're like, why, why are they finding it so hard to take their bags? And I was so tempted to like go off on live TV and be like, because of you guys, because you guys keep like, you guys are like inviting people on to complain, and you know you're you're helping stir the pot a little bit. So yeah, it must have been a really dead media cycle at that time. I don't know. <laughs> oh dear, but I think the serious side of it is that we all need to think about why. The why are we doing it? You know, why are we branding plastic bags? Why are we trying to get rid of the plastic packaging that you know buy things that aren't in. You know, you see so many things, packet of biscuits that's a tray and the biscuits are sitting in it, then it's wrapped in some sort of plastic, which is then in another plastic cover of some sort. And it's it's like, why? And and if we actually think about why we're doing this to reduce the landfill and reduce the plastic in our food and in the oceans and everything, that's the real crux of it. So I guess if, if only the media would get to that why and not <laughs> not the, not a, a bad yeah. news day so they'll they'll think of something to say and get some people whinging. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing. We, I think a lot of us do understand the why. Um, and obviously the war on waste really helped wake up Australia with that. But it, it is, you know, about making sure the next generation isn't stuck picking up our rubbish. I've got a three-year-old son and it, it, it does fill you with a little bit of dread thinking about him and all of his friends in the future. They're really going to look back at us and say, what did you guys do? Most of us will say we tried, <laughs> we tried, but it, you know we're we're really just taking advantage of their futures and their and their health as well. Which is you you've got to wonder how we've wired ourselves to kind of put ourselves first without thinking about anyone else. And I think also that's at the heart of these environmental movements, whether it's plastic free living or zero waste living. At the heart of them, it's about holding a mirror up to ourselves and kind of reassessing what's important and being less selfish really and just thinking, oh, it's okay, I'm going to have to do some uncomfortable things so then the next generation will be able to live sustainably on this planet rather than being left with 
all this plastic and waste, which hopefully they won't be left with that. That's that's my hope anyway. Absolutely. So in regard to just in terms of statistics with, and particularly in Australia, where we're one of the highest, if not the highest with the US um, in terms of of waste and food waste, and that we discard 20% of the food that, that we purchase, what type of food do you see as the is the most wasted, and and how can we reduce the waste in terms of food as well as plastic? So a lot of people will be surprised by this, but the biggest amount of waste by volume in my state here, particularly in, in Victoria, which I think would be probably the same across all states, is actually going to be breads, cakes, and biscuits, which a lot of people are a bit surprised at, and that because of the way it's kind of sold to us so if you think you go to buy a packet of biscuits or you're kind of stuck with the amount you you get to buy or you might go buy some treats as well they come in like a six pack perhaps and you might buy them because you know you're thinking oh yeah I could go with something a little bit sweet and then you take it home and you you get that sweet fix and then slowly down the week you don't have that that sweet tooth anymore you've kind of hit it you know you've satisfied it and then it they go moldy quickly they go off because they're in they're in plastic and they're sweating and and the whole thing then goes into the bin so and then after that it's also fruit and fruit and vegetables as well and it's just the way we shop too i think you know um supermarkets are wonderfully set up so that you buy more than you actually need. I know I used to do that quite a lot. So I always encourage people to write a shopping list and stick to that shopping list and try try not to ever give in to those sweet cravings. Or if you do, go to an independent bakery and just get one cookie in your own cloth bag perhaps and satisfy that rather than getting, you know, six muffins that you might have to throw out in four days later or next week because you you only wanted one or two and you don't want to eat the rest. So just to finish off, I know you talked about the future and, and particularly with the next generation and what we can do. So what is your vision for household waste? My vision for household waste, my vision is, well, firstly, I would really like to see Every council offer residents to put their food waste, should they create any, into their green bins. That would be ideal. But obviously I would love everyone to have some kind of compost or worm farm in their backyard and learn and learn about the importance of putting compost back onto the soil and feeding our soils because our soils are very depleted of nutrients. I think people don't realise how vital it is that we feed our soils because if we don't feed our soils with with nutrients, then our food isn't getting any nutrients and then we're not getting any nutrients. When we put things into, say, our green bins run by our local council, that gets sold back to farmers and then farmers are getting some some good quality um, compost. I would also like to see people shop smarter. I think, you know, maybe really get into meal planning so you know sit down each week and write a bit of a meal plan Um, when you're writing that meal plan go and look in your fridge go and look in your in your fruit bowl and see what you've already got so you don't double up 
buying things because I know so many people go on autopilot when you go food shopping. When you do go food shopping, take the cloth produce bags. We do not need plastic produce bags when we go shopping. <laughs> There's a great movement happening called Plastic Free Produce. And um, we just need to keep asking the supermarkets to stop providing those plastic bags. So we don't need them. A reusable cloth produce bag works just as well. And I would also like to see people just really understand the value of food and understanding that a, a farmer grew our food. And we are so lucky in this country to have farmers. We can go to any store anywhere in this country and we can have any vegetable we kind of want. If it wasn't for farmers, we'd all have to quit our jobs. Uh, we'd all have to start growing all of our food ourselves and that would be really, 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 really difficult. You know, we'd have to grow wheat um, for our bread and, you know, we wouldn't all be able to have access to things like bananas or strawberries or papayas or, you know, stuff like that. So I think we really need to understand that when we let food go to waste, we are disrespecting the farmer's hard work. So don't let things go to waste. Use up everything you can. Store it properly. That's another big thing about food. Store it properly in our fridges. I think our fridges could be redesigned as well. I think they aren't great for storing food perfectly, in my opinion. And, yeah, get in the habit of cooking from home I'm not saying always I don't want all to always cook from home because it's nice to go out occasionally but just learn to cook some of those basics from scratch and learn how to use up the whole vegetable or how to turn turn leftovers into new food and just remember that the decisions we make every day can have a huge impact on reducing our waste and just some of these steps can you know take We'll take food waste out of our bins, which makes up 40% of our bins. That's almost half. And if we did that, then that food waste isn't going to landfill. And when it goes to landfill, it's just being wasted. You've got nutrients that could go into soil, so that's being wasted. Um, when it goes to landfill, it creates something called methane gas. And when it goes to landfill, it doesn't break down properly. It's, it's not getting any oxygen. It's not being exposed to any of those microorganisms that are needed to help break down food because it's just it's just not the environment for it in a landfill site so I think once people understand what food can do on a circular level in terms of you know going back and feeding the soil and and understanding how important it is to treat it as a proper resource then maybe we'll view things differently and I think the only way we're going to do that and I'd like to explore this idea with someone, if someone's got a million dollars, is to um, share those stories on TV, like through regular TV ads and, you know, interview a farmer who says, when you compost your food into a green bin, it comes back to my farm and it provides food for these plants that you then buy at the supermarket. And, you know, it just shows that link that we have, which I, I think a lot of people don't realise that that importance and that role that we can play as, as consumers. Oh, thank you so much, Erin. That's amazing and, and lots of food for thought, if you pardon the pun. <laughs> you can't see us, but we've been sitting here nodding your, through the whole conversation. <laughs> if people would like to follow along with what you do, would you like to just let, us, let people know of your website and, and your social media handles? Yeah, so I, my blog is called therogeginger.com 
because for listeners, I do have ginger hair <laughs> and it started out as a travel blog but quickly morphed into a plastic-free living blog. Uh, and I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as The Rogue Ginger as well. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. And we'll put those links in our show notes as well so listeners can follow along and get some more of your wonderful tips and they can purchase your books to find more. I know your Waste Not Every Day is a tip for every day of the year, 365 days. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, it is. Wonderful. (laughs) Wonderful. So thank you very much for your time. We do appreciate it. And we have really enjoyed having our chat today. So thanks very much, Erin. Thanks, Erin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If you've enjoyed this conversation and know people who'd be interested in knowing more about this topic, then show them you care and send them the link to this podcast. To keep up with our Gutsy Matters conversations, subscribe and share with your friends. For extras, follow Stored Naturally on Facebook and Instagram. Gutsy Matters podcast is brought to you by Stored Naturally. We are the creators of the all-natural hemp fresh produce enhancer for longer-lasting and healthier fresh food kept in the fridge. Available at storednaturally.com.